0: Hi there, I'm Andy Cave. You're listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast, where we delve into people's stories, their adventures, their partnerships, the places they love, and find out what makes them tick. Here's a taste of what's in store. You
1: get a lot of um, like energy and, I don't know, income from the nature, from the sun and rain and weather, which you can't get it in the gym. It just, in the gym, it just dust and, Really, not feeling that I'm doing something precious. There's two problems. One is that um, the budget is very different than Europe. The average salary in Iran is uh, about one pair of climbing shoes.
0: A month's salary for a pair of climbing shoes. Wow, yeah.
1: If you are in, from Iran, especially a woman, it's better to stay in the shadow and do your life than just be famous and then, then you get in a lot of problems. When I'm in the nature, I feel I can do things and nothing is impossible. And this is the point when we are in the nature, then nobody can put any rules on our life.
0: Our guest is Nasim Eshki. Nasim is one of Iran's strongest climbers. A former kickboxing champion for 10 years as well as a track and field athlete, Nassim discovered climbing relatively late. Once hooked, however, there was no turning back. She is at the cutting edge of the Iranian hard new route scene, though she's keen to emphasise that for her one of the biggest attractions of climbing is simply being in wild places under the sun and the stars. For Nasim, nature is liberating and energising. We get to hear about the barriers she has had to overcome in climbing and in life, what she learned on her travels outside of Iran. We chat about the Iranian cafe culture and the importance of food. Nassim also talks about a recent documentary film about her climbing journey to date. She also shares her passion for introducing young local people into climbing. I'm really looking forward to this episode. It's special. Nice to meet you
1: yeah thank you nice to meet you
0: (laughs) what's the weather like there today
1: uh today is actually the temperature is not really winter here at the moment (laughs) it's like in tehran is between six to fourteen okay and in the coming area is like four to ten but a little bit cloudy but you know we have always a more mainly sunny weather but yeah, so it's the perfect temperature for climbing, it's not cold, it's not warm. <laughs>
0: okay. So, Nassim, um, you, you're based in Tehran, is that right? Yes. Is that your hometown?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's the capital and I born here and I lived here. So, yeah, it's a very busy city, but uh, everyone is here, <laughs> all the country.
0: <laughs> I mean, how old were you when you started climbing then?
1: I was 23 when I started climbing and I've done other sport before that. Like I've been so much into kickboxing and heptathletes and swimming. So on 23, when I got to know climbing, I was like really strong with a lot of muscles and everything. So, but then when I got into climbing, It was like, it made me feel I'm nothing with all the sport I've done before. Yeah, because it needed something more than the muscles. So then I just fell in love.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll chat more about that because I'm really interested in that crossover from one sport to another. Let's go back to, I'd like, I've never been to Iran. I mean, it looks amazing. I've seen photos of all the, I mean, bouldering Uh, big walls, alpinism, I mean it looks incredible. The other thing is that in the news, when you look around, uh, you see quite a lot about Iranian climbers on the competition climbing scene, starting to get, Mm. you know, pretty strong in the speed and different disciplines. Is that something that you were ever interested in, or were you always more interested in the outdoors?
1: Yeah, at the beginning, when I started uh, to do rock climbing, because I started from the mountains, so I was hiking in the mountains, and then I got to know climbing. Then I went, uh, first day I went to a crag, like a climbing crag outside, and then that was when I felt, wow, I'm nothing. Then I, for a little bit of training, I just hang out with other climbers. I went to the gym, but it was never really uh, interesting for me. Everything was plastic and there were a roof above my head and they they didn't really make me um, happy, but the main part was the climbing outside. And that was really nice for me. But you know, at the beginning, we were with other friends and We were very new, like climbing, rock climbing uh, as like, let's say, sport climbing was really new in Iran. There were just a little bit of competitions happening. So it was just some people, they were doing things together. So they were doing, going outside or go to competitions. Everything was more like a fun gathering. And those days I was also doing competition, but just uh, climbing outdoors. But these days things are different, like um, it's a lot of volume inside and indoor, which is really different. You can't get strong uh, for competition only by training outside. So it just went to different branches and after some times when i did some competition i just felt it's not fun anymore because people were getting more involved to being serious and they were not talking to each other they were so focused on competition and winning and friendship was getting less and less yeah. so i didn't feel it's uh, something nice
0: for really, me it was nice. that's really interesting because you know uh, this is the first time we've met but in your emails what I was really interested in when you when when you when you messaged me you you know at school here we're taught when we we sign off a formal letter yours sincerely or yours faithfully or this kind of thing and then obviously an email it could be thanks or cheers but you signed off with something that I'd never come across before and it was really really wonderful when you said mm-hmm. uh, sunny days and starry mm-hmm. nights and I just thought wow this is definitely uh, you know someone who is in love with the outdoors and really. I just thought it was brilliant and you know what if I have permission I might start using that myself occasionally because it's just brilliant there should be more of that so (laughs) I understand what you're saying about um, your introduction to climbing and the outdoors was more what we would say in the UK like traditional you know your, your love of nature and then that led you to climbing and so when you go to the gym well certainly personally it's useful for training and such like for outdoors but today In in the gyms, because there might be people listening who are not climbers, when we talk about volumes, that's big rounded holds that are very popular in climbing competitions. You don't often find those outside. So it's becoming almost like another kind of climbing, which uh, if you want to climb outdoors, it's not necessarily the best training. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, that's really – that's true. But you know what I get from outside climbing is not only – Uh, physically is a lot you know like every climbers know also especially the people who climb outside or in love with outdoor climbing you get a lot of um i don't know how do you call it like energy and i don't know income from the nature from the sun and rain and weather which you can't get it in the gym it just in the gym it just dust and Uh, magnesium and I don't know the smell of sweat or things like that and it really for me is really not feeling that I'm doing something precious yeah I for these days especially gym climbing is like like climbing in the gym is exactly like if you go do some bodybuilding training in the gym just guys with muscles and hang on some small crimps and just Put on weight and their harness, and for me, it's just ridiculous. Just why should I train this much uh, instead of using my foot? You know, like this. is What I learned by traveling that I can, I can, I don't know, like be better with doing technique than just pulling on some crimp and get injuries. Yeah. Something <laughs>
0: that's really well said, Nasim. And I mean, there might be people listening here who are more into the general outdoors and done a little bit of climbing, but I guess in essence, with climbing, you have, well, obviously, if you're traditional climbing, you have to put the protection into the rock as well. So that's an extra layer of of craft, you know, of expertise. But the movement, I mean, you have the movement side, the technical reading the rock, you have the physical side, and you also have the mental side. You had done all these different sports. I think you were, were you a kickboxing champion?
1: Um, Yeah, for about 10 times in a row.
0: Ten years in a row, or something. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. So you came with this uh, excellent conditioning from other sports. Did you? What did you find the biggest challenge in climbing? Was it a different? Was it the different physicality of it? Was it the mental side? Was it the technical, or was it a bit of everything? What was the biggest thing that you had to uh, overcome?
1: Um, what I had to find um, better in myself in climbing was um managing my energy like i had to think uh because you know in other sports you all you put all your energy and effort in some seconds and just finish it if it's heptathlete you have to throw um i mean this uh when you do the shot put or javelin or and everything have to um, happen in some seconds and it's all about how much you have to focus and put things together all comes with with power and speed yeah. but then uh, climbing it's slow climbing is not fast of course uh, speed climbing is different but just climbing outside putting the gear and you just can just uh, spend all at the beginning and then you have nothing for the rest and that's what that was how I started. And I thought, okay, I have to put all my energy and power and it just didn't work. I was just falling on the rope and rolling around. And it was so funny. I just, I remember this moment all the time. Even when I'm climbing a hard grade, I always remember how I was bad at the beginning. (laughs) And yeah, the change was, I had to think and use of my brain much more than in um, the other sport I've done before. And uh, it's not um, a thinking way that works for all the people in one way. You know, like everybody with the different uh, limbs, I don't know, the length of the limbs and uh, the, the height of the body, you have to choose what is good for yourself But in other sports, normally you have one routine to do this and be better. And in here, I have to find myself in the sport. And that was the more more difficult part to find it with how it works for your body.
0: Yeah, the complexity of the movement and what works for you. I think that's really, really well said. Maybe the the mental side as well, sometimes worrying about falling. Do you think... Something like bouldering. So you would take away the endurance element because you can do it quite quickly. You would take away the uh, worrying about the equipment thing. Would that be something that your previous sports might help with? Because you would have that strength and basic maybe power and some speed, which would be useful in bouldering. Is, would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah. I think as I un- if I understand good, you mean that if uh, bouldering was something good for me at the beginning?
0: Yes. you... Yeah.
1: yeah it was i actually i really like bouldering because it's like more like solving a problem and i really liked it and yeah you can do it a lot of time with power it helps a lot to just go dynamically to one hole or another one yeah it was really good but just um, to find people who go bouldering is always mainly is like a team and some people are sitting some people are hanging smoking or whatever and that was not really what i felt happy but in um lead climbing or like when we go on big wall uh, you just go farther and farther you get more distance from other people from the gathering like i like gathering only for party and dancing yeah. for the rest or for sport i just need one more person to go and climb focus and I don't know just have fun and mm-hmm. do what we want. So yeah. boilering was interesting for me, but just somehow I my life pushed me into the leading and big bigger wall climbing.
0: That's really interesting. I mean an obvious question is how do you meet people to climb in Iran? How do you find people? Is it easy? You know somebody, you know, because obviously if you're doing more serious climbing big walls multi-pitch climbs you want to be with the right person don't you and you want and you're going to be together for a while so you want to enjoy their company but also trust them
1: right so it's always a um the main problem having a good partner and i had always this problem from the beginning like i think most of the people who have the same problem so the right person the right attitude or like the safety all of them so i think i've been lucky i've climbed with some people who were not really safe but you know we all had luck in our outdoor climbing sometimes (laughs) Yeah. And I remember some of these people were wrong to go climbing with. But just sometimes you cannot understand these people are not right people. But uh, now the last three years I have a um, partner which I can go climbing all the time together. But before that, it was always a big problem. So we meet people at the gym. So, of course, we have separate timing for man and woman. But anyway, when we go at the crack, a climbing crag near Tehran, we can uh, meet other people. Sometimes you meet somebody new just uh, on the same route as you trying. So the next session you can go together. And that's what how I did before until the last three years, which I have a um, uh, permanent, <laughs> permanent. <Yeah. laughs> partner.
0: So who do you mainly climb with? Who would you say is your, who is the regular partner?
1: No, he's my boyfriend, which we are three day, three years together. So now we can just, um, he's also a climber. He also into ice climbing, which I'm not. But uh, for wall climbing, we have both same passion to go up track climbing on higher altitude. And this is what we both love. So we can train and practice the same time, and it really works.
0: <laughs> right, I mean, I've seen, that sounds fantastic. I've seen pictures of, how do I say it? What is your highest, or the big peak with the steep face on it? That yeah, was, Mr. Nobody. How do you say it?
1: Mr. Nobody, is this the route?
0: No, it was more the mountain in Iran with the steep face on it, the alpine peak.
1: Alamku, probably.
0: Maybe, yeah. So have you, you've got designs to... Uh, go and climb on this kind of thing, yeah?
1: Yeah, we we often go there. We go in summertime and now we have a new project there. We bolted together, a route which is five pitch. We haven't done it yet because it's um, a really open crack. And um, one pitch is very slab and it's the first time. I mean, I learned it in Europe. That there are slab granite and they are climbable. So we like we put some bolts on it for safety, but the crack part is just tread climbing. So we want to go and finish it. So we're training.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. And I mean, is it easy to get hold of climbing equipment in Iran?
1: Uh, it's not easy, but it's not so difficult. The main there's two problems. Yeah, one is that um The budget is very different than Europe because all the things come from Europe is the same price, but the average salary in Iran is uh, about one pair of climbing shoes. And so people who climb, they really put a big budget of their salary for climbing. And the other problem is the variety of the equipment. So we don't have all the options when we have in a shop in Chamonix or uh, Arco or these places. But it's possible to get shoes on your size. Sometimes there are more, sometimes less. With the sanction, they get less. (laughs) When the sanction gets a little bit loose, then there are more equipment. Yeah, at the end, if you want to climb, really, we find things. But it's not easy when you move in Europe and you just find or order online, quickly get it. It's not like that.
0: Sure. So the when you talked about someone's salary um to be able to pay for a pair of climbing shoes, do you mean like a month's salary?
1: Yeah, a month's
0: salary. A month's salary for a pair of climbing shoes which is I don't know, it can be anything but roughly around 100 euros um uh, mm-hmm. type of thing. Wow, yeah. So you're going <laughs> to you're going to really look after your climbing shoes. Presumably do people resell their climbing shoes like we do here in the UK? Yeah. yeah.
1: There are uh, two shops that they restore the climbing shoes, and so this is a big help for climbers. Yeah, it's a very different, different, um, different budget what we have to pay for equipment and for clothing. Companies there are Iranian clothing companies, so for that the problem is less for the equipment like the one who are already got some standard like quick throws or gri gri or rope and these is there's no Iranian company and even if there will be I mean I don't know if I can trust because we don't know it's the same standard or not <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah yeah of course have you going on to that talking about other countries have you had the opportunity to travel to different parts of the world and climb and if so Where are your favorites? Where have you been?
1: Yeah, I had this opportunity to start climbing in 2009. I made a climbing trip. And uh, at the beginning, I started with the countries which we didn't need visa, like, uh, because for Europe, for America, we need proper visa, we need invitation, it's it's difficult. And so I started with the neighbor countries, like um, United Arab Emirates, Oman, India, Turkey, Armenia, Georgia. I started with these. And then slowly I met some people like Stefan Glowach or Karin Steinbach, a very great journalist from Switzerland. And these really, they liked that I also came in Europe and they prepared an invitation for me so I could get visa. And then I came in and then I could... Go every year and just got more experience of how other people are climbing, how they improve, and things like that. My favorite places is like you know I haven't been everywhere, but the like through these places I've been so far, like my, Chamonix was my favorite place because you have all things together: snow, with uh, trad climbing, granite, sun is shining, <laughs> like all these beautiful things. And Dolomites, I like, Verdun. Um, there is this wall, Gli in Switzerland, also granite, and I really love it. So these places are my favorite places, and the rest, they were beautiful and nice, but not the top.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So the Dolomites, what did you do there? Did you do a new route, or were you doing established routes?
1: In Dolomites, in the one, the Trecime, we, I climbed this prima ballerina and I've been there several times, but then in Dolomiti Brenta, which is like a little bit other side of, yeah. uh, it's not in the Trecime part. There I, we sla- established the route with another Italian guide that was for the movie also. So it was a part of this developing a um, climbing route together with another person from europe and then that was a very good experience that how they do it and how different is it and how things are similar in many parts of opening or climbing or things like that
0: fantastic that brings us nicely on to chat a little bit about the recent film climbing in iran which obviously is about you and your climbing journey and 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 many things Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. And I know it's going to be on at many film festivals. So that's really exciting. Do you like the film? I mean, obviously you've seen it. How was it seeing a film about yourself?
1: (laughs) It's very interesting how this happened because I was never wanted to have a film about me. Uh, It's a little bit like if you are from Iran, especially a woman, it's better to stay in the shadow and do your life than just be famous. And then, then you get in a lot of problem because there you didn't have a perfect cover, or there you had, you were not just the proper woman or things like that. So it took. I had a lot of invitation of filmmakers because sometimes ago Iran was in fashion of making movies, and many people just send me email that oh, we want to make a movie of your life and I just refused everything but I could not refuse one uh, Francesca Borghetti he she really tried two years to get me to say yes to her and that was all because I had the fear of being in a film and in one point they want to put a lot of um, focus on the covering in Iran and then this the film will be something against politics in Iran and then I will be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. As for this re- different reason I was not really happy with that but this woman just every excuse I brought she just tried to fix it. The movie is about my life, my climbing life especially and then how I started traveling and how I'm dealing with other people in other countries and then opening this multi-page route in um, Crag in Iran with other girl, one of my students. So it's called a girl for all season. And that, that's a really important route at the moment. And then I bought this dismiss the nobody which is a big change in Iran also. Not so many people kind yet, like five or six people, only one girl like me and others a guy. Just to, then,
0: sorry, I was just gonna pause there so that fantastic but Mr. nobody, that's uh, is that an 8B plus?
1: Yeah, it's an 8B plus, but it I'm not sure it can, it can get downgraded later because it's a roof crack. And we are not very good in cracking. So some people from other countries can come and climb and say, oh, maybe it's 8B or even it's plus." I don't know.
0: I just wanted to pause there a little bit. It's all absolutely amazing. Um, but 8B+, plus, just for listeners uh, to the podcast show that are not uh, technical climbers, this is a really high level You know, for anybody. Um, so... You know i just wanted to sort of uh, big it up in a way and it's a roof crack so is that a sport route
1: yeah it's a sport route because the crack is not very good for putting the gear okay. and level in iran is not that high that we can just go on and climb something uh, on crack on roof and yeah when i bolted this route and i started i thought um, like nobody were touching this route anyway, but then the crack is not very parallel. So it goes um, up and down and the rock is limestone. So it's a slippery in many play, many parts.
0: It makes sense to put bolts in, doesn't it really? And yeah, I understand.
1: Yeah. But recently a guy is trying to do it in trad and uh, I'm sure it's possible, but you know, they use the bolt. They try to put the gear in. So the bolts really are necessary to be there. I'm, I'm not into bolting cracks in Iran, I'm against this, but I want a little bit of um, exceptional route because otherwise nobody would go on it. And now also I extended it and I called it Mrs. Nobody, which I, this is my new project now. And it's um, the whole route is about 35 meters. And I think it would be so beautiful when I can climb. I love,
0: I love. that name. There's, there's, there's a subtle message there, isn't there? Mrs. Nobody. It's kind of saying something, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so actually, uh, climbing somewhere like Iran and well, anywhere, but the root name can say a lot, can't it, as well? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. But what if what it has for you? Uh, what what is comes to my mind when the name is Mrs. Nobody? I just want to know, how do you feel? What do you think?
0: Well, I think, I think here in Britain, uh, I can only really speak about our culture, but we have a thing where um, we often like to think that we're quite understated. The classic English uh, man or woman, uh, they if you do something really well, traditionally, you don't want to show off about it. And uh, for example, if you beat somebody in sport, you, you know uh, tennis you shake hands uh, but you don't show off about you are better than them type of thing obviously this is like a bit of a stereotype cliche but I think it is true that that is it's like that in climbing um, because there's the competitive element but also the friendship and sometimes you're doing things together um, but uh, obviously climbing is competitive it's always there and people comparing themselves to each other with the man to woman or man to man and so on. And so I think with a name like that, it could be be a really understated name. You've done something really impressive, but you're calling it Mr. Nobody. And then you're doing a longer version, a harder version, which is Mrs. Nobody in your cultural context. I just think, yeah, that's a cool name. I like it. Um, <laughs> It, it, you know, I don't know exactly what it makes me feel, but um, I would imagine if I was living in your country and I was a man, I'd be like, yeah, that might sort of annoy me a little bit, but maybe motivate me to try and do it. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, also for me, somehow it was like this, like I got inspired of this movie, Master Nobody, when I was very young and I always liked this movie. But then, yeah, this mess, nobody misses, nobody means, yeah, I mean, for me, even if you do all, we're still nothing. And yeah, it's a kind of this feeling for me always. And I think it fitted this
0: route. (laughs) I like that. So it's, that's a really interesting angle. So it's almost like we are just so small, all of us really. And, you know, and I guess your connection with nature and the mountain, is just so much bigger, you know, than uh,
1: that's very true.
0: The film. I'd like to go back a little bit to, to the film and just what was the main challenge? And there must have been lots of challenges. Just give us two or three of the big challenges. I mean, the director Francesca, she wasn't a climber, um, but she's obviously very persistent. Um, uh, you know, type of character, determined. And so, um, what were the big challenges? Both in terms of, I guess, you did filming in Iran and filming in uh the dolomites yeah
1: yes so i think for me the most um most hard like the hardest challenge was to get to know this woman because you know like also when i have the interviews with other newspapers they just want to make um put a topic with iranian woman cover whatever to just get more audience and this really annoys me because i'm more than just being from iran and just I'm not presented by how I cover and how I am against or with something. And this really annoys me with the media. And I always felt how these people always want to just take the benefit out of me for themselves to make more money and then win a prize or something. And this really was difficult to know her and she really tried to give me confidence that I trust her. She's not gonna put something against because my life would be in danger if she she put something in the movie. and then uh, so that was the biggest challenge for me and also to make her that uh, she has to know I am an alpine climber so just filming of me doing some sport route, is which is easier you know for a um, director or a film crew just yep. make a movie of a sport is is much easier and she had to understand like I really should make her understand that I don't want a movie that shows Nassim is a sport climber because it's not like that so then we got to this um again for all seasons so she filmed that so she brought people into the movie which they could film um, an alpine rock or something like that and then this Dolomiti Brenta, Brenta happened and for her I think was to understand our culture because she also came once to just know our culture she had a lot of studies about Iran it really impressed me how she studied and she knew something I didn't know being from Iran. And she came with all this um, information and she also studied about other climbers in Iran, other women, because she wanted to know if it's real that I'm the only doing things or other people are so there. So she came with a knowledge to me. And then the difficult part for her was she had to also have this cover in Iran. And also once the police gave her fine for not having proper cover, and that really broke her because we are used to this every day, even though it's really ugly, also make us disappointed. But the, for someone who never had this pressure, like being in a country as a guest, and then police came and gave her fine, And they wanted to keep the car, (laughs) take it to the parking. So we have to talk with the police and tourists. Even they are very kind with the tourists. She really got into this and she, she started crying because it was so breaking what happened. And I think all of them were challenges. And also at the same time, she had three kids, a small one and her mother had cancer in the hospital. So she really had to deal with all of this and with me, because I'm also a little bit difficult person. I don't want to have a lot of cliche and show off and things like that. And at the end, it was really nice because we became very good friends. So the movie is done, but we still are in contact.
0: I mean, that's wonderful. And I know that I've not met Francesca, but she's, you know, from a cultural anthropology Background, so which explains all that detail. But then when you widen the focus and you talk about what's going on in her personal life, the fact that she's not from a climbing background, you know, the, the story obviously captivated her and motivated her. And it sounds like you learned from her, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, if you like, overcoming challenges and adversity. She had come to to talk to you, but in a way, you also. Uh learned a lot from her. Fascinating.
1: Yes, I learned a lot from her. And as she said in the movie, she also said that she learned a lot from me. And yeah, also she had to climb sometimes to understand what it is. She went to the gym, she bought climbing shoes to start climbing and understand. So a lot of time I had to explain the grades and how. Things are different in climbing for the climbers, but she wanted to make a movie for climbers and for non-climbers.
0: That's really so, and, that's really interesting, and, and and I like the fact that it's you know it's a documentary. I mean I've not seen it yet, but it's great to see that we have this still rather than just uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, little movies, people jumping around, which is kind of <laughs> whatever. It's just part of the world now, but it's nice that people have that energy and focus and want to say something more meaningful. I wanted to pick up on a few, I've only seen clips of the film, but there are a few things that you, you mention in the film. And one is that you, I think you say something around mountains have energy. What were you, yes. trying, to, what were you trying to convey? What were you trying to say to people, to non-climbers around that?
1: yes you know like um these days there's one misunderstanding like when we talk about energy and things like that then it comes to this yugi people and just sit and meditate or like and this part i don't mean that part (laughs) i just mean we we all when we have connection with nature we just get a lot of power instead of fighting with the nature like when I teach to my student I always tell them uh, try to get friends is not a fight you're not going to kill a root like because there is this expression like I'm gonna kill it I'm gonna I don't know send it to the hell or things like that and I always tell them no it's not you're not doing it alone if the rock doesn't stand there you can't go on it like imagine standing on the shoulder of somebody if this somebody doesn't stay strong you can stand on his shoulders so imagine how much energy these people this person need to stand straight and strong there so then we can stand on this shoulder so this mountain stand there and we go up up on it like using the holes and everything but there's too much energy which doesn't get loose you know like it doesn't go anywhere so that's why we can go up so we climb together a route me and the rock. So that's why these mountains, rocks, everything has a lot of energy that we can use to do something. And beside that, there is um, a very vast of energy, big one, which we get from the nature when we are in there. We just river and sun or rain. And I don't know, just small flower on the rock. We just get full of energy. And this is what we, sometimes we misunderstood that we think we had a good feeling with friends in the nature, but no, with the nature we had good feeling because if we sit at home and just with uh, the wall and roof around us is not that funny anymore. But when we are in the nature, with the mountains, we just get it as much as we want. And if you are like, how she can get more. And that's what I mean with the energy from the mountain.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. And um, Francesca said something about, but in nature, she is free to be herself. And I think there was another line, which I think this one, it was, it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, black or white, Iranian or Italian, man or woman. The force of gravity brings everyone down equally. And this gives me... A great sense of freedom and equality. I mean, that's really, really a beautiful line, like a piece of poetry. What does that mean for you? Uh,
1: you know, there is, we have a lot of border in, uh, in physically and mentally. And these borders are made with family, environment, countries, or sometimes with other countries or with ourselves. So um, to break all these borders, we have to sit. Along without any rules. So in Iran, we have a lot of, okay, different borders for women. A woman shouldn't be that, shouldn't do that. Okay, this is one. But if just they take all of these borders and I am in the mountain, just me with myself and there's no rules which runs in the city, then what I have to do, which I don't do, like what I want to do, but I'm just blaming on other things. And I said, ah, because of that, I can do that. Because of the other things, I can't do that. So sometimes we just have to face ourselves and see what borders I make for myself. And this is the point when we are in the nature, there is no excuses, just the weather. And when the weather is fine, we can do what we want and we can be what we want. And this is one, when I'm in the nature, I feel I can do things, and nothing is impossible. And when I'm coming back in the city, of course, there are things I cannot do. I can't get a visa to some other places. I cannot go there, or this and that. And um, this is the point when we are in the nature, then nobody can put any rules on our life.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because these borders, whatever word you want to use, constraints, every country will have them to some degree and wherever you are in life. And then of course, there are the personal uh, borders you could put on yourself in terms of performance. Am I good enough to do this kind of climbing? Uh, all these kinds of things, really interesting. And, um, I notice you wear, uh, you've got some pink nail polish and on one of the scenes in the film. And uh, yeah. you say something about color gives me energy and I think it gives energy to each of us. What is it about colour? Not just nail polish. Um,
1: The thing is, uh, you know, like when we were at school, we had this uniform and it was always dark colour because now these days colour is, we can use colours more, but at the beginning of the revolution, um, everything light and flashy or bright was something, um, related to Western and against, yeah. So for all this reason, all my childhood from primary school to high school, to it was all coming up with the very dark uniform. And when I finished all of this, and in the university, we are more free to choose the colors. There is no uniforms, especially this color or that color. I remember I throw all my dark clothes away and I said, from today, I don't wanna have any more black or dark blue or dark green or something. Everything has to be mm, bright and beautiful and because the nature is like that and we love it. And uh, I started to wear, um, all my clothes were very shiny. Somehow my family didn't want to walk with me in the street because it was, too, it was not very sh- show off at all. It was just maybe orange or pink. Or red, but um, people were shy to walk with me. And this is really a true point in my life. And now these days, color is easier. And but with all of this, having this different color and bright color needed a good confidence. And I had this and I made my confidence bigger. And um, now uh, to my students, they can't wear dark clothes. I always tell them, do you like when I wear light clothes? And they said, yes, it's so nice. And then I said, so I like to watch you not having black t-shirt and if next session they are lighter. So I found it when we have bright color on, it's really is very nice for different people eyes and colors have energy. So when you look at a yellow um, t-shirt, you just, go and look at it and I say, how much is it? But uh, when things are dark, they don't show themselves very nicely, only in a very high level. I don't know, ceremonies or things like that. So for me, color brought a lot of energy and I want to spread this energy to other people and I want them to do the same. And that's the reason I found it. I need more color. And one more reason was just with the nail polish was when I was much younger, I thought only boys have freedom. But with the university and I saw my lectures were all women and very strong women in the sport. I found out, no, I can be a woman and I can be strong. So I started to, because I looked like a tomboy before, but I was not, I was just a, girl who didn't want to be weak and it was wrong in my mind so then I I became a woman with the colour and then I put a nail polish to make sure hey everybody look I'm proud of being woman and that was the turning point another turning point
0: (laughs) fantastic I think there's got to be when you do another really hard first ascent something about pink nail polish in the name that could be cool no I'm joking
1: it i already did uh, in turkey i have this route called pink power
0: oh, fantastic <laughs> brilliant um yeah. I, I love it i love it so confidence and um you know you talked about being confident in wearing those colors was there a turning point when you uh, it, as, as a young person, where you started to feel more confidence? Did it come from the sport? Was it something within you that helped you in the sport?
1: Yeah, I think it was a complex of uh, different things. Like, uh, it was a little bit of me, myself, because I was, from the beginning, I was, as my parents said, I was very wild, and I was always aggressive, and, yeah, probably, you know, the environment is, is not... Uh, what I felt happy. So I wanted to always make noises, scream, break things very. um, yeah, even in the kindergarten, they told me she's very aggressive. She needs, needs a doctor. And <laughs> my father said, no, she's normal. Your kids are uh, abnormal because they're just sitting and doing nothing. Children have to break things. <laughs> And I think that was why they didn't give me pills or they didn't take me to the psychological doctor. So they found it. It's not my father found it. This is normal. My mother, no. But then um, in university, I get more confident because you know anyway the the whole culture is not in sport culture. So if you do a sport, you use you waste your time. But then the woman thing, and even in the world. Yeah, something dangerous is not so much for a woman or girl, but then in Iran is more. And yeah, just just want to be, just I wanted not to be like others. I had this from the beginning. When everybody wanted to eat something, I wanted to eat something else. And that was the main problem always at home. And I had this feeling, I don't know from where. And it stayed with me. When I grew up, I at the university with uh, the lecture, I because they were all a woman who were doing sports before the revolution and they were older, but they had this style of a strong woman. And I found them so impressive. And I said, Yeah, I can be a woman and that strong. And um they, it gave me confidence because they were somehow similar to me they were not accepting man dominant rules they were ruling their life and so it gave me more confidence when i started traveling i saw more people having their own life like they were not there were more climbers there were more people who were running outdoor there were people who do kayaking or things Different, and there were people who didn't want to get married. So everybody's life was accepted in outside the country, especially in Europe. And I found it, so people are living like that. So I can be like that. Maybe it's more difficult, but it's possible. So I found more people similar to my mind, the, my mental state. And this also gave me more confidence until I found that I can also make some rules <laughs> for myself. And this came all together. So it was like a complex of me, family, and environment.
0: Fantastic, really inspiring. So your family, there was support there. Your your dad sounds like he was, your father sounds like he was a supportive character.
1: Yeah, my father was much more support, supportive. My mother is very cultural, a very calm woman who doesn't want to be different as other people and the rest of my family is the same. But only my father was also uh, always said, I don't have to do what other people do. I can do something else. And I think this stayed also with me that I don't have fear when I'm not like other people.
0: Brilliant. I know that you um, teach kids climbing. Um, Do you enjoy that?
1: Yeah, I think that's the most important thing for me, because what I found in kids climbing, uh, they are so much themselves, so they don't have fear, like the fear where it comes from the environment and the culture. So a lot of time, it's not only the fear of falling, it's just the fear of if I do something wrong, and kids doesn't have this, so they just express their emotion, and you can help them, and Um, and beside that I like to show all the kids first what is outdoor climbing so in the later on if they go even to a climbing gym they can see the plastic and then they can choose but when children start from indoor touching the plastic pulling on some plastic holes they feel they can do something and when they come outside then they they get so disappointed because it's they can do nothing. There's no jog. They have to use their body. And I really like to show the kids what is real climbing. And then they never um, get to that, that feeling that auto climbing is uh, I don't know, very horrible or very scary or things like that. And that's the way because day by day, uh, the plastic uh, climbing and just pooling on plastic is getting, climbing is getting to those way these days. And this is what I don't really like.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I know that I think Adam, Adam Ondra, you know, obviously very famous, uh, one of the great climbers in the world today, says something around, you know, you need to learn to climb before you get strong almost. But you get too strong physically. Um, you you know, it, you need to be efficient. You need to get the best out of yourself. And I think you've talked about that really well. Yeah. I was just thinking um, a little bit about, you know, there's this global pandemic now. I mean, here in the UK, you're all over the world where we're, where our, our freedoms are a little bit restricted and people are finding it tough. They're working, you know, through uh, uh, the computer, not seeing people... All our climbing gyms are closed here at the moment, and it's winter, so it's difficult to get out on the crags. You have overcome a lot of adversity and challenges and broken down barriers. Is there any advice you would give to people who are, you know, uh, at the moment? What would be your kind of to try and message of hope or something? You know,
1: message of hope. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, first of all, I am not really. I'm not an specialist in disease or virus or things like that. So normally I don't really like to talk about things, which I don't know, like in my I saw in my Instagram account or Facebook, I, n- I didn't put anything about this pandemic while every sport woman and man just put something, stay at home or things like that. And I think you should not talk. The yeah. doctors have to talk. And, but besides that, I think the most helpful things we can do for ourselves is just turn off the TV. Like we don't have TV at home. And I think this is the most poisonous thing every day. They say something the other day against it. And and it makes fear. And fear brings your immune immune system lower. So the first step is turning off the TV, not looking so much at the media. And then the second thing is, of course, possibly there is this virus and it's not a lie, but beside that, there is a lot of economic things are happening, which they just try to abuse this situation of pandemic and not everything they say is true. This is what I believe. And just being in the nature, in the fresh air, under the sun, rain, wind, this just gave me always the energy, and it took up my immune system. And I didn't have this problem. Neither my none of my students. So this is my advice, turn off the TV, go out into the nature.
0: (laughs) I think think that's sound advice. I think that's a a brilliant uh, idea. Um, You've never, have you ever been to the UK, to Britain?
1: Unfortunately, uh, no, not. Once DMM gave me the invitation, yeah, to get there, and they refused. Like they, oh. I didn't get it. But I'm gonna try again. Like maybe next time when there is less restriction for traveling, maybe I try to get to UK because I love to see all these trad routes they have or sea cliffs. They're really beautiful and. And my spouses are from UK, so I have to be there one day.
0: Oh, well, I, you know, it'd be great to meet you and uh, maybe, you know, get the opportunity to do a route together in Garth or on, uh, on the Gritstone. And, uh, you know, you could try some fish and chips. You know, this is the classic <laughs> kind of food uh, that, 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 yeah. Uh, fish great. and chips or, or actually quite a lot of Asian food here as well. So thinking about food, I from the little bit of research i've done I, I think in iran food is really important and the cafe culture so mm-hmm. if i came if i got the opportunity to come over to iran to climb what would be the good climber's breakfast what would i eat in the morning that would set me up for the day would you say or what's your favorite thing yeah
1: we have um we have normal breakfast like we don't have um, muesli of course we we can have it but it's not in our culture so mainly is like Things with egg, like omelette or sunny side up, or things like that, and this is what we eat to get strong to go climbing. But we have also probably you have heard of this, like we have this special breakfast which is called Poche and it's the head and the legs of the sheep. And yeah, you might, it might be hard to, <laughs> to accept, but they eat it for breakfast wow. and it's so heavy. And then when you eat it until the end of the day, you feel thirsty, you can't move. And this is um, a luxury if you, yeah, it's for people who don't want to move. If you want to go climbing, just eggs. and.
0: I think this is more, I'm thinking this is more like a rest day.
1: They eat it and they go climbing in the mountain and they suffer and they talk of this suffering and it just makes a funny. Well, I don't know. Is is a rest day breakfast, basically. What? But they don't do this. <laughs> what,
0: how do I ask for that? Uh, what's it called again?
1: Kale means the head Calais? and pache means okay. the, the leg. Kale pache.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, I'm thinking in in Britain we we're always showing off about our what we call like a, a traditional English breakfast, the fry up, you know, with all these different things. But I think that's just lightweight compared to this breakfast in Iran. What about the evening meal? What
1: would yeah. You, this, what,
0: yeah. What's traditional?
1: Yeah, but this breakfast is just something suspicious, not my breakfast, but so anyway. For the evening, I mean, yeah, you know, 70% of our culture is food. And yeah, but it's not very vegetarian uh, people. They, they I'm, would not not, really...
0: I'm not a vegetarian, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. So kebab is the best.
0: Nice. And then
1: there's a lot of stew with rice, Iranian-made rice. And yeah, there's a lot of um, different soup. With also called ash, is a little bit heavier with more vegetables, looks green. Yeah. And my favorite is kebab. So, when we have, when we are with the student, when we finish, we definitely go to a kebab shop and eat it. And the kebab is not, um, is, is the one with on the sheesh, the long one. And uh, that's really
0: the tasty. Sheffield Climbers um you know when they finished in the climbing gym or they've been climbing outside there are one or two uh we have a place called london road with all these kebab shops and that's where they go uh for the kebab with the big bread and i think they do have a a vegetarian version of uh, as well but uh, it sounds wonderful and would you eat quite late in the evening generally in iran or when would you be your evening meal
1: yeah, we eat quite late, about, se- if it's seven, is earliest, so eight or nine, is it's a little bit like uh, the culture in Spain, but the difference is that the next day we still wake up earlier than them.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because, I mean, I lived in Spain for a while, Love, I love Spain and, uh, you know, everything about it, the people, the climbing, but trying to get people to go for an early start to the cliff. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that you know, it, it's it's getting dark when they arrive to do the warm up.
1: When I had a trip climbing trip in Europe, I was climbing with so many different people, which I met from before or I knew through another friend. And the most difficult finding partner was in Spain because I'm I'm an early person too. I like to go climbing. I can't sleep in the morning until late, and I can't get people to climb. So they start yeah you know to start breakfast and then start rolling joints and smoke and oh my god I, it was really making me crazy i was on my toe like let's go let's go so i sometimes i had this argue with them but when i was in switzerland or germany oh,
0: or different. No, i mean the, I always remember once when uh, me and my friend uh simon nadine he was the first indoor world champion climber and we were but he loves the outside. And we were, we were climbing in different parts of Switzerland on the big walls. And uh, we uh, we went to this campsite and a guy said, you know, you, you have to let me know by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, whether you are staying for another night or not on the campsite. And we were really tired because we'd been on the Raticon. It's quite a biggish wall. And yeah. uh, we came down and we were deciding whether to stay or not and having a coffee, a little bit tired, you know, and, and this guy stood behind us at 10 o'clock as the, <laughs> The clock went to 10 and he stood behind us tapping his watch with his finger and <laughs> this is yeah, very different to spain and we were like wow okay
1: it's very difficult and one more thing is in switzerland or i don't know not in, only in switzerland in the alps the people who climb alpine climb they want to finish early because the thunderstorm is coming yeah, and even in- in a day which there is no thunderstorm they run down the cliff and it's so beautiful like last year me and my boyfriend were climbing with friends in switzerland and they were just running down we finished climbing by two o'clock p.m and they were running down we just had one hour walking and we just said why are you running down and they said yeah because we have to run down and i said what today is no thunderstorm nothing And what do you wanna do down there? Just drink, uh, I don't know, a glass of beer or something. And so why are we running down? Like then, and then they they just stand and I said, yeah, we don't know. We just have to run down. And my boyfriend said, you know, I really like to walk slow and watch because it's so beautiful. It's green, It's, it's everywhere nice, the sky is blue why should we run down? And I just can't see in front of my foot that I just don't roll down. And then they just said, yeah, you're all right. We can walk slow. And sometimes they just forget because you have to run all the time. And sometimes we forget and then we travel or we meet other people. It's very funny. And um, in Spain, they just shout on each other like they said, "Yes, yeah, safe, Billy. I'm on the anchor." And in Switzerland, they just said with one finger, "I'm on the top." Just no talking. Me, and my boyfriend, we're a little bit yeah. In Iran, we are also loud, and we were just like shouting. Sometimes, "Are you, are you fine? Or are you happy? Why wow, so beautiful?" And my our friend was saying wow, we are so loud, we have to be quiet. And we said, but there's no other climber here. Why should we be quiet? And they said, we don't know, but you have to be quiet. And uh, our friend had, uh, his son also were a climber. And his son said, I think my father is in a therapy with you too. And I was so funny because he, our friend, we, we climbed together, he really liked this way. But you know, like just sometimes the environment make you just be like that because the others are like that. But you know,
0: I've got visions of you. Uh, you know, maybe it was so you don't wake up the mountain goats or something. You know, and then obviously on your way down, your Swiss friends are sprinting to the valley, and you guys want to walk slowly and enjoy the nature. And then <laughs> you meet the Spanish team, or actually just setting off, walking up towards the what? towards the wall. Hey guys, what's the rush? <laughs> oh. But isn't it wonderful that, um, you know, with, with climbing, it's, 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 it's obviously it's the movement, the challenge, nature, but meeting people from different cultures. And so having that possibility, uh, you know, to travel and meet different people, I mean, it's just such a, it's a great learning experience for everybody. And certainly my climbing life, that's one of the big things. I, I just feel really lucky to have travelled so so many places to you know tibet and nepal and and um it's the people along the way isn't it that we meet that yeah a lot of the memories really
1: yeah you know when i started traveling i understand the value of what i had sometime i didn't notice what wow there are something good that i never thought they are precious and then when i traveled also i learned a lot of things so i understand why sometimes we are not succeed on something because we don't try like when I met uh, people from uh, Germany Austria, Switzerland, Italy, Spain like all these people different one I could just choose I could see them how the access of uh, success I mean success is not just because like just higher grade or something just to have. A good climbing day and finish it, having good relations with friends and doing a good performance. And I learned, even I learned how to write a proper email from my Swiss friend, this journalist, because every time she made everything clear for me. Yes, first of all, I want to talk about this and then this and this and this. And I thought, wow, that is so organized and just saying la 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 la. So I really learned writing an email talking or when I had my presentation in Italy or Germany or other countries I just learned from how other people talk and how what they are interested in and me I'm interested in different things so then we get we could get to a point which we both enjoy the time together and we complete each other it's not like one is better than another we just complete each other to get to happiness. (laughs) the happiness.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Have you yeah, have you ever thought about writing a book?
1: Yeah, I mean, not me, but um, they have an idea about writing a book of... Um, I talk and they write. I don't know how to call it.
0: We call it like a, in, in English, uh, a ghost writer, which is a bit of a strange... Uh, yes, I,
1: I can write for myself, but I never thought about writing for others. No. I think I need some time more. <laughs>
0: Do you like to inspire people? Is that important to you?
1: Yes. It's uh, the, the very brilliant part in my life because I get inspired with a lot of people. Not a lot, but many people. And I like it when I get inspired with people because they make me move on. And, uh, and that's why uh, this is something which, when I do, I think I did uh, something like what... Other people did and I loved it. And um, a lot of older, older school climbers made me inspired because they really had things from inside. Now these days with a lot of equipment and show off and this Instagram and this really annoying um, advertising advertisement, they are really, uh, they don't inspire me at all. But this all the school climbers with nothing, when I look at their shoes, or their equipment, their robe and what they did. I just think they all did things with their inside. And those days they didn't have the sponsoring this way these days are. And is so much annoying for me which somebody comes up with the fruit and then said, ah, this fruit make me strong. And then there is a lot of advertisement of this. And I cannot just handle this kind of advertising with everything just for money. And one more thing I really like in inspiring is to inspire outside of the border and gender. Like, um, I remember this route in Iran, Iran, Swiss, which was a very scary route. People thought is I don't know, 8B plus, 8C something. And there were just some people climbed it, some guys. And even though they know, they knew it's not this great, they were not talking about it. So they just, they made it, they kept it like a, I don't know, a secret. Then other people were afraid of this route. And one day when I climbed every other route in this crack called Polakha, I just thought I go up this route. I can, if it's really difficult, I can do the cracks part with pulling on the quick row and I see what it is. And that day I climbed. On that day, my hardest climb was 8A+. A and I went on this route, and I thought, this is not more than 8A+. A it's not harder than what I did before. And i in five weeks, like five weekends, I could send it. And after this day, this route was not 8B+ anymore because I talked about it. Of course, I said, I don't know what's the grade. But this is the hardest, and is equal to other hard things I did, and it made some somehow other people, uh, other guys. They just felt if she can climb it, we can also. And after this day, this route is a very popular route this day. But before that, nobody was touching because they were afraid of this. And I'm really happy when I can. Inspire other people to go on something with have fear, and then they don't have fear anymore. And I like this part, not the part that I've been the first woman or first this or that. Inspiring in the mind level is the best.
0: I really okay. like that. So in a way, you you have uh, you know clearly courage, but also humility. <laughs> That word is which is some humbleness uh, as well, and um, and I think a lot of when you do a first ascent, there's a lot of integrity there, being honest, isn't there? A lot of honesty. So you have the courage and honesty, really, and great. I know we could chat for so long, especially about the um, the pioneers, obviously of Iran as well, and because you know the alpinism and rock climbing with poor equipment. Yeah. Finally, the climbing. How far is or what is the closest cliff to where you live um it's one hour and a half driving
1: to the a good cliff there is other small one which is not really well bolted they are really destroying the climbing technique and everything but the good ones there are two is called polka and other one called baragon these two are like polka is the one with iran Swiss. And Baraghan is the one with Mr. Nobody, this KV something, and it's really uh, impressive. I recommend everybody, uh, if they travel to Iran, they go to this cliff.
0: Do you know, yes. you find that when you go to the mountain areas in Iran, the people that are living there have a different mindset, a different temperament to the people that live in the city?
1: Yes, true. They, now I remember, they always think we're looking for gold. Really? So they, yeah, like in Iran, everybody, which, yeah, because climbing, if you're a sport person, you know what is climbing, that's okay. But other people, they just think, why do they go up this rock? And you know, from the older time, there were a lot of, I don't know, how do you call it in English, but treasure that they are hiding somewhere and then people think we're looking for those with the rope, for them is a little bit strange, but slowly they understand, oh, these are kinder and it's okay. They're not, uh, they're not coming to do something wrong and then they get a little bit more friendly and it's easier. In some places, it's still a problem to go. Like in the very, very West, near um, Iraq border. Those places, they have less um, facilities also. So the level of life is different. And they, it's not easy to get friends with them. So there is a lot of cliff there, which they could be developed. But it's not very safe to be there, sleep there, or stay there. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. Well, I'm you know I'm really it's been absolutely brilliant to chat with you. So thanks so much for your time. Just a little bit of a fun thing that we do on this uh, been getting into doing on this podcast. So, what is your perfect night out on the mountain? Would you be, do you think you would be more uh, on a porter ledge, or would you be more on a bivy ledge or in a snow hole? What would be your choice?
1: Yeah, you know, like I the, my favorite night is when I can fall asleep watching the sky like uh, you know a lot of people close the curtain when they sleep because they don't want to wake up in the wrong moment because sun is come on coming up and they should not yeah. wait but for me i like to sleep with the sun and wake up watching the sun and even at home i open all the, all the curtain that i can see the sky fall asleep so i really like can you imagine like if i'm outside and just watching the sky on portal ledge or just somewhere i mean i don't like so much cold weather but being in a fresh air is perfect and uh, to be in a cold weather and freeze yeah is not really my type
0: well, you know snow hole is not going to be your thing at all but no. let's say let's say you you're, you're in this place whether it's a bivy ledge or a, a, a a porter legend, but you're caught in, in bad weather for say 10 days. So you can't do any climbing. So you're just stuck there. So, what would be your meal that you, if you had one meal you could have every day during this 10 day storm, what would that be?
1: Uh, if soup is a food, also, or no? Yes. Of course. Yeah, I think I prefer the soup because it just keeps me warm. And yeah, pasta would be nice. But if I have to choose one of them, what? I would choose the soup.
0: Perfect. And a luxury item you can you can take you can have one luxury item with you to sort of help you pass the time during this ten day storm. What would that be? Kebab. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very clever. Yeah, I like that. So you've got the soup, and then your luxury item, is the Kebab, as well. So you've got it covered.
1: Yeah, I would like to eat kebab before I die. It's better <laughs> than dying without eating kebab. I think you'd
0: survive with all that. Soup and kebab, you're going to survive the storm and carry on to the summit. Um, <laughs> That's be, true. Thanks for your time. It's been brilliant to chat. All the best with all the projects, inspiring the young climbers in Iran.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for choosing me and having this mountain chat together.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People Podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe. And I look forward to bringing you more stories and interviews very soon.